0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Women Effect Show presented by Winject Studios. I am your host, Chris Ross, and if you're new to us, welcome. Really excited and blessed to have you here for the first time. The outcome of this show is to inspire and help you, our listeners, to manifest anything you want out of life. How I go about achieving this is with my philosophy. One heartbeat, one mission, one outcome, and that only leads to you adopt the proper behaviors that will take you to another level of thinking. For today's episode, I have someone who has devoted her life to help humans develop the courage to recognize the value of compassion, innate wisdom, and the reality that we are interdependent beings to empower decisions supporting personal well-being as well as social and ecological justice. In my opinion, Jonna Genova is more than just an energy healer, entrepreneur, and a teacher. And I promise you, if you pay attention in today's episode, you'll discover why. If you or you know someone that has suffered from complex traumas, please do us a favor and share this episode to as many people as you can. Lastly, text us at 843-396-2104 and let us know how you felt about today's episode. Stand by for a quick message and let's have some fun.
1: This podcast is part of the Winject Studios Network, where podcasters come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how to apply to join the network, Go to www.winject.com. That's W I N J E C T.com. If you're ready to make a difference through podcasting, then we're ready to see you there.
0: What is up, everybody? As you can tell, I have a beautiful soul on the other end of this, and it's going to blow it up and take it up a couple of notches and share um, wisdom on energy healing and all the things that she's done. Welcome to the show. How you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Chris.
0: Always. I, I have to. I had to have you on. So I know that we've had older conversations, but you know, doing something for the listeners and I just you have an amazing story. And if anybody can just hear you know, the, well, how passionate you are about what you do and it, it shows, you know, and a lot of people, they say, oh, you got to be passionate about what you do. Of course you do. But, you, <laughs> but how well can you deliver that out into the marketplace and the people that you're trying to serve? And you don't really have to say much and much copy about you. They feel that from you. And I think that's powerful. How often do you see that in, in especially in your type of industry, is it, is it hard to kind of find someone that's really in tune with their true essence of them as an individual and you feel their energy?
1: That's an interesting question. So um, that's been, in a way, a, a challenge for me mm-hmm. in my business life. Yet it's also the thing that draws people to me. So right. the lineage that I've studied and that I teach meditation through Um, the way that we do the practices is not like a certification program. It's over time. We begin to embody the practices and we Mm -hmm. don't talk about it. Like even in the, the circles, like the, the inner sangha, people don't talk much about their experience in meditation. And we definitely don't talk about our, the realizations that happen in our meditation, like outside of that circle, we may talk Mm -hmm. directly with our lama, but it's not discussed outside of the circle. So in this world where people are um, spending a lot of effort listing their accomplishments as a way of convincing someone that they would be good to work with. That just like, isn't done. Um,
0: That's why I was curious. That's why I was curious.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of, it's, it has presented some challenges and I think I'm still navigating how to, to balance both. Like how do I establish Credibility, I think it occurs when people are with me. They they do mm-hmm. feel something, well, and um, how do I how do I explain that well. and still hold the integrity of where I'm coming from? This lineage that has held me for so long.
0: Right, and well. and that's it's difficult. And I don't even know what how I just got to that that one question. Just leaning in. I didn't really like coming to come in and come in hot, obviously. But um, I was just it was just curious because I ended up just kind of like framing the first part of the question. I was like, well, I guess we just kind of go with that because there's so much we can talk about. But I like to always, you know, get really pinpoint on some of the questions that I ask because it, you know, opens up a whole other area of opportunities to display your talents and skills. But it's really difficult in that industry. You can't, you can't, you can't lean in and, and I guess you would say. Try to credit, you know, credit yourself with all the people that you worked with and all the things that you do in those type of situations, because these are traumatic experiences with people.
1: That's another piece of it. That's a
0: lot of pain. That's a lot of pain and personal things that they suppressed for so, so, so long. And they have probably have never even communicated that to another human. And that's that's difficult.
1: Yeah, that's been my experience. So. But there's so, so many complexities. It's amazing mm-hmm. that you are like, um, I guess it's not. And the, the time that I've been getting to know you, this is your gift, right? That you can sense right into the essence of something without even being able to describe it to you. Um, so yeah, the clients that I work with in treatment for mental health or substance use disorders, there's a, conf- a line of confidentiality, both mm-hmm. um, in the, the session itself, but they're um, at residential or outpatient facilities. So I may discuss their case with the clinical team if it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, But then beyond that, of course, I would not talk about someone's case. Um, And then with the professional athletes that I work with, there's also a strict line of confidentiality that I hold where I ask who I'm working with or why I'm working with them. Because what's happening in sessions with me um, is that like the pre-verb pre-verbal connection, which you're Mm -hmm. alluding to. And I can describe what I mean by that in just a moment. We'll kind of put a pin in that word. But this um, feeling of like safety and comfort and a resonance with someone. And in my experience and in the experience of many others, this is deeply healing just Mm -hmm. to with someone in this compassionate presencing. And so sometimes they will share with me with words what's happening for them, but sometimes we don't even have to say the words. The
2: right.
1: experiences themselves cannot be described in words or can't be accessed with words. So that's why I call it pre verbal. And that's like much of what's Love happening with me. And what I do, and it's so hard to like, I mean like how do I tell people or describe this in a, um, a bio, but it's um experiencing each other each other on the pre-verbal plane and allow mm-hmm. a healing to occur there.
0: I um obviously you know my story and we've had other conversations and the listeners obviously if they're tuning in, they've heard me probably say it and like their ears are gonna bleed right now. But that's that was my gift that I received from my deceased sister growing up. Like when I was in those moments in that, you know, experiencing being with her and sharing some time and sharing space. Right. I was you know, I didn't she couldn't communicate verbally. So I would have to selfishly enough put myself into her shoes 100 percent and consent using in, in the way that you coined it. I love that pre-verbal trauma and, and understanding what she's going through and why is she crying? Why can't she walk? Why can't she talk? right but i knew how to communicate and, I, and it was a connection that we had so when i lost that connection that was something that it it took me years years to develop enough courage and sometimes a framework to rediscover that again because i suppressed that emotion so much so i i, I love what you do and i was reading that um it's so funny because when I was reading uh, some of the information you provided to my team, I was like, wow, I was like, I already knew this anyway, intuitively, but because you kind of know when someone knows their stuff, you can sense it. And I think that that's where your credibility comes into play when they're working with you. They probably know within the first 20, 30 seconds. Yeah. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> she knows what she's doing. So that's an amazing thing. So expand a little bit on, a one. In your words, and I guess in a lot of things that you do, because you got com- um, compassion meditation and those traditions, right? And then energy healing from the complex trauma, just from my, my mind of me reading it, just my memory. But can you expand a little bit more in depth on what you mean by pre-verbal uh, trauma? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so this would be any experience that happens. Um at a time when perhaps we didn't have the language to process that experience. Okay. It could also be a time when we didn't have, we had language, but we didn't have the vocabulary or the um, contextual understanding of the bigger picture. And in this case, I'm thinking about um, all of the isms. So as a a young person, let's say, um, maybe no one has taught us about sexism, but we experience or witness sexism, but we don't have a word for it or a a place to put it in our worldview. And so it feels wrong, but we don't understand the fuller picture. So if someone asks us what happened, we um, can't describe like the, the fuller meaning or why it's having such an impact on us on a soul level. And then there are experiences that we just simply don't remember because they happened at a time when we were very young or they were so traumatic that we can't access the memories. And I'm mm-hmm. even talking about experiences um, that our ancestors um, had, oh, wow. right? Yes. And we know from epigen- epigenetics that what um, our ancestors were doing seven generations ago, even what they were eating, is now a part of our lives. And I noticed when I started, when I was invited to work in um, these residential treatment centers for people who have really complex cases, it occurred to me that um, most of the healing centered around clients being able to describe what had happened to them. Mm-hmm. And in my personal experience, um, the, the major traumas that I have experienced in my life occurred when I was an adolescent. And I experienced um, systemic oppression at that age from um, an, institu- an institution that I was told I could trust, my school. Mm-hmm. And when something um, bad happened to me at my school and I reported it, then the school district um, took action to protect their own interests rather than to protect me as a young person.
0: Yeah, you see that a lot, especially at, um, with a lot of things that are going on to the, in today's world.
1: Absolutely. Right. So this happens um, with racism, with ableism, with, you know, just any ism. This mm-hmm. is happening. And... <clears throat> When I was um, at that age and my family was trying to help me to heal from these experiences, I didn't know the words systemic oppression. I knew I felt like I was not safe. I felt like there was this conflict where I was supposed to be able to trust. Mm -hmm. Powers that be were telling me I could trust. I had an inner sense that that wasn't something's
0: not right. It's not matching up. Yeah. And I
1: was being like invited into like the lion's den essentially and told that I had to do this in order to heal or to do what was just. And like all of those complexities on top of the original trauma itself. Mm -hmm. So, um, like you as a young person, I developed this like capacity or ability to have this unspoken communication, um, in my family of origin. And, then through this traumatic experience, I came to rely on that a little bit more, like my own spidey senses, like <laughs>
2: what is
1: it being said here, like what, what can I trust, who can I trust? And um, when I went to work in treatment, I saw that the therapists were asking these young adults like to describe what had happened to them. And I could feel in their presence that what had happened was so much more complex than anything that they could describe. Wow not aware of like the grown-up issues at play that we understand with our grown-up eyes with our adult eyes some of us some of us as adults we we still don't know we still don't have the language to describe what's happening and part of this is because these systems of oppression are designed to thrive
2: mm-hmm. and so
1: they they don't want us to know their inner workings like the systems themselves this oppressive nature of these systems and so when we are victims in those situations it's um we're already dealing with the overwhelm of the, the trauma of being mistreated. And then on top of that, we're being asked to navigate a system that's designed to not be understood.
0: To
2: right.
0: not Yeah. Um, you mentioned the victim and, and I have my own beliefs on certain situations and I believe all of us are victims to a lot of things, especially in our adolescence. And then you have, you make a choice or decision as an adult to be a victor, you know, of that you being a victim in that type of situation and being taken advantage of and whatever that, that might be for people. And mm-hmm. I think that the only people that have experienced really traumatic like really traumatic um, times in our life and situations, mm-hmm. and the ones that have, that have been alone in our own thoughts to start to rechannel and and navigate through all those, you know, really uncomfortable feelings. And you can't really communicate sometimes how you feel. Mm-hmm. You, it's, it's almost impossible. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know what I feel. I hear that a lot with people. And how I'm able to penetrate and get to the root and cause is because I've been there before.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they don't need to tell me, but I know the feeling. And yeah. I, now, I now know what to do with them. And I'm, I'm sensing that that's one of your gifts and how you're able to do it on that type of capacity. Would you say that would be true?
1: Yeah, it's, it, it feels very similar to what's occurring for me in those moments. So like you said, within like the first 30 seconds, um, or less, the people I'm working with are, and I think especially Pete, I mean, who everyone has experienced trauma, varying degrees of trauma, right? Um, and that's just the reality of our world and being human. But for those who are in a, a process or a place where they are exploring healing and they're de- determining who's safe to work with or who might be able to help me, who can I be vulnerable with and share this with, then they recognize instantly. It's like a an energetic tone if someone is safe or not. Are they in alignment? Can I trust them? And when I was younger and I would get like downloads about my classmates, about their vulnerabilities, for example, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of having a sense, you know, at a very young age that like this particular student, when they go home, they're hungry, um, at home. And I had no like reason to think that about them. And then I would find out as I got a little bit older, that that was the case for them. Wow. Not to have those downloads because I thought I didn't, they didn't consent to me knowing this and I might not be right. But now as I've gotten older, I think on some level, there is a consent. Mm-hmm. there's that recognition that you're talking about. Like, I feel safe enough here. And something about that lets someone like you or I, who are in the position of um, like kind of knowing or receiving that information, it's mm-hmm. like a lock and key. It opens it up for it that does. to be shared and to be felt or experienced in a tr- hopefully in a trustworthy way.
0: It's yeah. so powerful what, we're, you know, what we're talking about right now with a lot of people that I know that I know for sure, um, even some of the ones and I'm not going to name drop because it's just for the confidentiality. Yeah. They have shared with me horrible experiences
2: mm-hmm.
0: that they have almost forgotten. Okay. And I would be working with them and I would pick up on it and make a sense. And I would send a message. I'm like, Hey, I know that we were in that board meeting. And I know that, you know, you mentioned some things and certain triggers and you Made a comment and you reacted, and you that's un- unlike you. And I, if you don't need it, I'm not going to charge you all because this, we're a member of a team, we're, you know, board members. So if you want my help, I can help you. And then we got on the phone and he was open to it. We got on a phone and then we started going through the process and I started getting through the layers. And I opened it's like you talked about that lock and key. Well, I had the key to that lock to open it up, but he was never, he would never expose that lock because he couldn't find it himself. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I was in, so that I gave a sense and I I didn't have to tell them I got you, but he felt that energy from me because I was literally in his space and in that moment with him, like I was there
2: Yeah,
0: and I was able to pick that lock and because, and he was, and I was like, listen, and I always tell this to people and when I'm, and I really feel like I'm, in that moment, in that zone, and into the nucleus of the root and cause and the experience, it's like playing a movie back again. We're gonna watch this again, and I'm gonna watch this with my mindset and let you know what I see. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So, and I let people know right, right from the m- beginning. Listen, this is gonna hurt. This is going to suck. But I will let you know that I'm here. I'm equipped. I'm talented, and I got your back. No matter what's going to happen from here, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to say anything. This Mm -hmm. is between us. But I'm going to be here. I have the tools. I have the skill set to be able to realign this for you to do anything in life. You're going to be feel better about this experience. You won't have this trigger. Mm -hmm. This uh, dysfunctional routine that he was having. So we picked that lock, and bam! It was like that one millimeter move, and he was able to have better relationships. You know, better. Um, he wasn't masking because everyone I think it's a Japanese say that he had three masks, the mask that you everyone sees that one mask that you have when when you're alone in your own thoughts or whatever that might be. and then the other mask when when no one's watching you that you're trying to suppress, you're trying to not, not show. and that's that's really powerful, but I sometimes think that a lot of people, like lead different lives and different ma- and put different masks on for certain things. How much do you pick up on that right from the beginning when you're working with someone?
1: Hmm. Well, it's going to take a second to just take in everything you just shared. What an incredible <laughs> Sorry. gift you have and what a gift for both of you to be together in that way.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. You, you gotta, you have a life, you have a lifelong friend that way. Um, I talk about, I talk about this with, um, a lot of, some people are like, Oh, how did you become, you know, one of the top 1% in sales? I'm like, cause I never sold a thing to anyone. I presented them a solution, um, but I've never sold anything. I don't sell like, I would never sell like the normal. I, I can't tell you how many sales books that I would get through the third chapter and be like, this is awful. Yeah. And so but you have to put yourself there. And I would tell people when I was asked that question, um, I did a thing on Forbes and they were talking, asking me questions for an article coming out. And I, I'd mentioned, I was like, listen, like I, there hasn't been one person that has ever come to me and said, Chris, you really disappointed me. It's it's like, Hey, the company or whatever that was disappointed them, but they don't look at me a different way because it was the connection that I had with them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
0: This is, this is I think why we like connect because that's, yeah. kind of that's his- I mean, It we goes to Mike Diamond. Mike, I love you, man. Yeah. And he he um we were we've been obviously we communicate a lot. Um, there's I'm not going to disclose. We got a show and stuff like that coming out. I'll let you know. But um, I love him. That I love him. Like he's like my, I I've never had a brother, but he's like my brother. I love him that much. Um, but we were having a conversation. He's like, I got the perfect person you need to meet. Yeah. <laughs> And he was like, and he connected us, but so yeah, it's been, I, I just, I really appreciate like meeting people that I'm hundred percent aligned to. And it's like, it only comes from people that you're a hundred percent with that mm-hmm. introduce you to the right people. So I'm very grateful.
1: Yeah, me too. And I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I can even feel like this might sound kind of cheesy, but like a heart mm-hmm. connection, even in this moment, like this conversation is occurring on a heart level, not
2: mm.
1: not any other level. And that, that kind of ties into your question about people wearing masks. Mm-hmm. And I think I see the masks, but what I'm connecting with, with people, and it sounds like you do this too, is I connect, I hope, with their deepest dignity, like who yeah. they are beyond the masks. Because in my view, everyone is suffering. Um, yes, I was thinking about this in my meditation this morning. Can I tell you like a kind of a quick?
0: No, no, no please. Yeah, love it. Love it.
1: So, um, so the meditation practices that I teach are from Tibetan traditions. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, I um, was in Nepal, where several Tibetans have moved um, for safety. And there's a a town in um, Kathmandu called Boda. And it's where the Boda Stupa is. And Adjacent to the stupa is a, um, a monastery, or one of my um, main teachers' um, a monastery that he oversees. And um, the Tibetan Buddhists they um, walk around a stupa. I don't know if you've ever seen anyone do this as a part. Yeah, of-
0: I've seen. I've seen. Um, um, obviously, I've watched a lot of stuff um, with spiritual healing and things of that type of nature. So I know. I, yeah, I've seen it before.
1: Okay. So the stupa is in like, kind of like the center of town, right? This mm-hmm. enormous, and a stupa is like a um, a monument for anyone who's like, what's a stupa? It's a great big white. They had
0: one. They had one. As I've seen one in Sri Lanka as well.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're Yeah. They're seen kind of throughout um, Asia and um, Southeast Asia, um, different forms over the centuries, these um, um, buildings that are, um, religious in both their the building of them is a religious process and then also the way that we honor them is for, for those who are of that religion. It's a, um, an honoring of the, the symbolism of the building. So people walk around the stupa um, as a part of it like a prayer practice mm-hmm. and people do it in the morning, throughout the day and um, people in Boda, um, so we're in Kathmandu, are walking around the stupa in, in all forms. And by that, I mean, I was remembering one gentleman who had um, just such um, large open wounds on his body. Mm-hmm. And days his body would be wrapped and on other days it would not be wrapped. There were people who um, were, were crying or were hungry and there were people who looked just fine. And so we see in this moment, something, or in this place, something that we don't see here in the US, and I'm guessing not so much in London. We Mm -hmm. don't see people like openly suffering, right? In our culture, we hide that, we keep that inside. And in a way, it was a relief to see the suffering happening like out there, right? It made me think, wow, how much are people suffering in silence? back home in california especially in orange county where i live where Mm -hmm. there's a lot that people do to change how the outside looks and so within the the buddhist practice that i've been doing for for 25 years we we explore the textures that the suffering um in our lives and we just kind of accept that everybody has suffering and that um we say Nirvana and Samsara are happening at the same time. There's a, a yes. non-duality, and so one isn't better than the other. It's just the like the current condition, in a way, as uh, one isn't better than the other. I mean, the experiences that we're having are just um, a result of our karma, and we work through this, and there is a, a kind of safety through every experience. I so, love
0: this. I love this current. conversation.
1: <laughs> and so when we talk about like the masks my practice and my life for myself and for the way I view the world and even my work is to, to be okay with the suffering that anyone might be going through. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that like okayness and willingness to see it is a little bit of what you described when you said to this colleague and now friend, um, I won't judge you. It's okay. I'm trained to do this. We can cultivate, the kind of courage and the capacity to be with not only our own suffering, but the suffering of others. And it's, in my view, it's not possible to be with someone else's suffering yes, um, and not our own suffering, right? Like it's, you, if you get one, you get both. It happens mm-hmm. simultaneously and finding this courage and this capacity is, I think the key to all of us having more like happiness and joy in our lives and just a general better quality of life Mm -hmm. and back back to you know imagine you're in boda right now and you see people walking around the stupa and there's this man with this large open wound on his body and people are just walking by like not that he's not there but they're not treating him any differently than anyone else who's walking By the stupa. And as people have their hands stretched out for um for offerings or donations um, so that they can eat, people freely just give to this person as if it was the part of themselves that's suffering.
2: Right.
0: Right. It's, It's recognizing, recognizing um energy and just recognizing that energy for what it is. I don't see the outer layer of the energy. Like I was I was talking to someone about this before. I was like, I'm just energy in the flesh. I'm 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 in the flesh. You see me. I'm in the flat, I'm real, yeah. but I'm just a mixture of energy. And you you touched on something. Um, and I want I really want to bring up you talked about you know our existence and our present moment. It comes from our choices and decisions and you know, karma or whatever that might be for people. And I true, I truly believe this. The decisions and choices that you have made up into this present moment is a complete reflection on how on on what you feel about yourself. Yeah. And how well you love, do you love yourself? And I would recreate my own trauma previously in my relationships. I was attracting the same person, the same type of person in my life. And now I'm more conscious of it, of course, because it, but I had to do it by myself. I had to choose that, choose to love myself, give myself permission that I did love myself enough to experience that, that joy. In life, and I—that was something that I was suppressing, and I wasn't able to feel that type of level of joy in my life anymore because of the last time that I—wow—the um, last time that I was able to feel that satisfaction and joy was from my sister, and then when she passed, it was like I had to. It was like I took like a hot iron or something. You ever seen someone with a like an open wound and they they try to stop the bleeding? I put something, I just put stuff on top of it, on top of it, top of it. And I would I would tell everybody that I was okay because that was a strong thing to do. Well, the illusion, right? But everything's an illusion. So, and everything's an illusion. But are you disillusioned? Do you know what I mean? So, and that's a really difficult question. How much do you experience that with people? And how do you address it if you do experience, I mean, do you see it?
1: Oh, I think what you're describing is so... Natural. I mean, I I feel that from an experiential kind of perspective, and then also um, right now I'm really into like rediscovering um, the theory of constructed emotion, which yes one of my college professors um, like uh, realized or developed or suggested. Um, her name is Lisa Feldman Barrett. So the familiarity or going to what's familiar is something that like all humans do. Right. I see this in my own life. I see it throughout treatment. Um It's, a, I think a part of the, like the human condition it's familiar. So we go towards that, even if it's unhealthy. Yes. Right. Just to,
0: just to feel, just to feel something because yeah. you're not feeling anything. So you would choose what you would end up doing is you're choosing that dysfunctional routine because you know that that's the end result and you know, for you to receive that feeling, but you, you're saying you're doing, you're saying all the right things, but your subconscious is controlling your life and you don't know that you're like a magnet and you're getting sucked to it.
1: Yeah. So then that's where like the brain chemistry or the, the brain functioning becomes really interesting. And while I studied with um, Dr. Feldman Barrett, I am not a neuroscientist. I studied with <laughs> her like, early on. I didn't go all the way. So apologies if I'm butchering her theory, but or, um, the way the brain works, but um You know, as I understand it, the brain is not, we think that it's here to think, right? But that's not it. It's just this like thing that is regulating the body that
2: Mm
0: -hmm. it's
1: in charge of, right? And the brain is actually um, predicting what is going to happen. Yes. And then when the thing actually happens, that confirms or contradicts what the brain predicted, and then the brain might make adjustments based on that. -hmm. Brain is making predictions based on past experiences. Mm -hmm. So then it's like mind like blown. To what extent am I truly creating my reality based on my prior experiences? And the trick is, I hear a lot of people who are into like modern meditation who want to like interrupt that process of the brain predicting. And we can't. It's like it happens fast.
0: That's like scratching an itch. It's only going to be just for a moment. It's not going to give you everlasting change. But yeah, I love this. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. It's also, it's also impossible. We can't, that's happening like before like our level of like cognition. Um, so the way to change the way that the brain predicts is to change our experiences. So we can take responsibility for how um, what's happening in our lives by changing the types of experiences that we, we have yeah. and make it, like a conscious choice to maybe understand um you know, attachment theory and understand why we're drawn to particular relationships or to seek healing um, so that we have relationships that look a little, look and feel differently than our previous relationships. Mm-hmm. And then the brain itself will start to predict differently based on these new experiences.
0: Right. I yeah. love the, oh, man, this conversation. I knew, I knew that we're, you know, just like all of conversations um, I didn't really expect to get into this, especially this part of the conversation on this topic because a lot of people aren't aware of what you're talking about right now. And I'm going to try to explain this for the listeners a little bit more. When you're recreating your own trauma, recreating your own experiences, the best thing, sometimes the best thing for you to do is not to be alone in your own thoughts, but it is to change your environment completely. And if you can't change your environment, change the people and the things inside that environment. And if you start, it only it takes you, I, I learned how to become a dripping faucet. It's like you. That's just the only way I can like pretty much describe this. That dripping faucet water can move everything. It can change the. you can manipulate a rock if it hits it in that right, right ray. The over and over and over. So that dripping faucet for me, what it represents, it's for me to just see one degree more of something better. I need to get a little bit better here. A little bit better here. Be a little bit more aware. Talked to a good friend of mine the other day, and I was helping him with some things that he's trying to get out there and get more exposure. I so said, I have four A's to every situation. You One, you need to be aware. If you're aware, then you can know what's happening and you know the feelings, whatever that might be. Once you kind of figure that out, that's a whole process. The next one is you have to accept where you currently are at the moment and where, why, and what's led you to this moment. Like you can, you can manifest your future. You can create that but you need to fix this now and stop the bleeding and change the trajectory and changing the experiences and the people or whatever that might be. The next one, once you kind of get to, once you have that, your, your intuitive side, you're tapping into your intuitive self. Mm-hmm. And that calm voice will lead you to where you got to go. It's like a beaking light. Mm-hmm. That's the next piece is you're starting to hold your, you're starting to take action and stop the bleeding and start making a different movement and a different creating different experiences, p- meeting people like yourself like, I don't, I expect to meet people like you because I put in the work. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's all, I've created that, created these experiences. And I understand this. And the next one is you got to hold yourself accountable and create those boundaries where you're protecting your true essence of you. Not what you're, not what you're trying to do in life. And people say, well, how do you become? like uber successful in life, the same thing and how to be, how to be completely and happy with your life and be like, I'm happy with the cards I was dealt. I I didn't know that I was going to be dealt these cards, but I know how to play my hand. I will tell you that. And Mm -hmm. I don't have to cheat. You know what I mean? So, and it's like, if, 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 if I'm able to keep doing the right things every day and being that dripping faucet, then I'm going to create, so many great experiences and so many great things moving forward. As long as I keep putting in the work every single day and it happens every day. It has to happen every day. How much do you say that kind of brings me to a good question. How much do you see that with your, you know, people that you definitely help and and once they get to the point and I know this happens, it happens a lot with me. I'm healed. (laughs) right? I'm healed. I'm so much better now working with you. how do you go about trying to explain to them in in the nicest way? And you're very, you know, obviously the way that you probably would explain is easier. Well, probably a lot more better than mine, but (laughs) how much do you, what do you, I mean, what's your, how do you go about trying to explain to them? This is a, this is a process that never stops.
1: Mm. Well, this is, I think maybe why, um, I ended up working in treatment. Um, because within that setting, the client has already been told that like they've are currently in the, the treatment world. Um, that's kind of the understanding that healing is a lifelong process. Mm -hmm. So I find that environment uh, like palatable because (laughs) I don't have to like convince people. Right. But clients who reach out to me, like, because they've heard about my work or something who want to do like one session, Oh, that, way that makes me feel
0: I I want a (laughs) band-aid it
1: makes me feel feel like a parlor trick once Mm -hmm. I thought that I realized that I was like this is why I can't I won't I won't do it like I just won't sacrifice my integrity because people do have um, a felt experience that's profound and I think that can sometimes blind them to what's really happening like sure you're gonna feel some energy in your body, or you're going to feel a connection in a way that you've never felt before, but that's not the point. Like that's happening. Mm-hmm. The point is the healing that's really happening. And as you said, that takes a while. So, um, I don't see clients who have that goal or that, or that, um, uh, I don't know that, that like worldview where they just want to have like an experience and just like go to one healing session or something. Um, and it, it, it's difficult because you know, we live in a world where, like, the customer is always right.
0: Yeah, so, well, um, no, that's the world that—that's the world that's manifested up into this from from previous people and and businesses trying to make money. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, that's yeah.
0: that's where that's that's where that saying comes from. Is that they don't want to lose business and lose money. It's all about coin. right?
1: right. But for me, I'm I am in service of people.
0: Like that. that that's, that's what I'm. That's why we're able to do what we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like we we we're we're changing the narrative on whatever what everybody's ever taught people. They don't teach. Yeah. They should teach this stuff in school.
1: Amen. I have so many ideas. Like we should have a course on like you know energy awareness, understanding. One hundred percent.
0: That bam. That's, that's how it happens.
1: From- We should have a course on like how to appropriately break up with someone, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Like, I
0: I wish I'd have learned that one a long time. (laughs) You know what I mean?
1: Be if we didn't have like that trauma from early relationships. Anyway, Mm -hmm. but the so it's difficult. Um, I do. I think probably make a lot of people mad, but I refuse to not be in service of a client. So then there are meditation programs out there where like you do a weekend and you've learned the meditation practice, and that's Mm -hmm. like legitimate within that um within that discipline but the um lineage that i follow it's uh the tibetan buddhist practices vajrayana we have a relationship with our root teacher that lasts maybe a lifetime many Mm -hmm. lifetimes like i recognized my root teacher before i knew what a root teacher was i from previous lives probably so I do have to spend a lot of time explaining to people like, I can't do like a weekend workshop with you to teach you to meditate. We would be, we're what I do is we enter into a relationship, a lifelong relationship. Mm -hmm. Are we each other every week for the rest of your life? No, but the energy of our connection will continue. I think for many lifetimes.
0: Mm -hmm. I've gotten, I've gotten to the point with, with you having those people in your life. And I know this for me, and I'm going to ask the question, how much with everybody that you're helping and you're, you're that much in tune with the spirit of them. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Sometimes when I'm working with people and I haven't talked to them in a long time, and it changed, you know, of course the relationship changes, but that you're that you're still connected. Once you're connected to that, the deep part of them, that connection, I don't, I don't think ever leaves, but you have to navigate through that and you have to use your your senses to get yourself to that point zero 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 and dial it all the way down to that one thing to really be connected to an individual. And once you're connected, I don't think you ever leave that energy a hundred percent. Like, like Scott, you, you, you see this a lot with um, twins or Mm -hmm. triplets. The -hmm. other twin will feel what's going on. And my sister, my older sister, but of course I had a younger sister as well. I can sense some things off with my younger sister because I think that we've we've had to learn how to communicate non-verbally. So we've had that a different connection a normal family would have, but even people that I've worked with and even people that I've come in contact with over the years, they can send some things off with me and I can send some things off with them and I'll reach out.
1: Yeah. I think this is what science doesn't fully understand yet. Or maybe there are some scientists who are onto this. That's something we can do, (laughs) (laughs) but it's like, we are, we're so deeply connected and this is, you know, sometimes I talk about like um, whiteness and white supremacy in the healing world and in science. And people are like, where did she just go with this conversation? But let, let me try to like explain. I know where
0: you're going with it, but go right? ahead. <laughs> so
1: what, white supremacy um, uh, privileges logical knowing, right? Mm-hmm. And so that being a power over our academic institutions, our medical institutions, um, what we perceive as being like worthwhile endeavors with our time that that has influenced what we see as like worthwhile. And so we're only up until recently, we're paying, at least our culture is paying more attention to the like logical knowing and what we can see and what we can touch and yep. paying less attention to this other stuff that we're describing. and. I'm excited for the day when we really like embrace exploring what we can't see and touch and stop calling it woo woo or whatever it out, whatever else, because everything is energy. Right. And it, um, again, I don't want to like sound like I'm an expert on something I'm not, but, um, mirror neurons are a thing that everyone can agree on where, um, I, I, neuron will be, I'm sorry, like a molecule will be doing something vibrating at its own rate over here. And another one will be doing its thing and they get within a certain proximity and they sync up. Why yeah. is that, right? Mm-hmm. And so we can imagine um, that that's happening across space and across time, like with your, these ones that you've ton- uh, honed in. So this like deep, um, specific, like, uh, ac- what's the word I'm looking for? Like very precise connection with people. Mm-hmm. And it's so common, right? Like that. I, I don't know many people who have never had such an experience where they're thinking about someone and that person then calls them.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, there's no coincidence. There's no coincidence in their life. There's none, zero. Yeah. There's zero. And there's no luck. It's just energy. It like, yeah. like where we are, like the only thing in life right now matters, and I'm conscious of it, I'm, I'm very much aware of it, is right now. Yeah, who I was a second ago doesn't matter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Who I'm going to be in the next five seconds isn't going to matter. I creating that by the experiences that I'm having right now from my way of thinking. You, if you want to be successful in life, you got to level up your thinking.
1: I take it a step further. I think. Love,
0: please, please share. Please share. Blow, hard. blow, blow everybody's mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Love so, it as like this sensitive person. So I think every I think everyone is, you know, sensitive to varying degrees and we can imagine there's a spectrum. And so in my experience working with people in an energetic kind of way, I do I would place myself like pretty high in the sensitivity like spectrum. So having this as my life experience, I think that not only what we think, but also what we are feeling is what we have to, we have to get to that level in terms mm-hmm. of like what we're working with. Because prior to the thought, there might be an agitation in the subtle body occurring. Oh, and wow. then the thought could be a reaction to that agitation in the subtle body, like making sense of that uh, signal in the body, that little flutter.
0: Wow. Okay. You, my mind just went somewhere. Do you know like... Um... I can, well, I'm from Charleston, South Carolina, and it doesn't get cold often in Charleston. Okay. And it's just like, obviously, where you are. Right. Yeah. But I like football season. Um, I remember playing football growing up. And I remember, um, right around a certain time, I could always hear, like when I was a kid, I can hear the stadium playing, like the JV would play a day before the varsity before I played. Right. So I can hear them on Thursday, like the stadium, because it was close. And I would leave the, I would leave the door open just to hear. The announcements that they're wanting or not, and I would be in the room studying. I had a dude. Vi- I had a vivid. I haven't thought about this in years, and it's so funny. Okay. But you sparked something for me, like you when I've when I would feel a certain temperature, I would think of that experience.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: So then, I mean, that's like my. I guess I'll like describe or I'll discern between the two. So there's like my. Like how I make sense of the world, like that's mm-hmm. how it feels to me, right? Like, yes. I could be wrong about what's happening in the body, but this um theory of constructive emotion is so fascinating because um when our so our brain is like, you know, this this network that's predicting what's going to happen, but it's predicting that based on signals from like the outside world and the inside world. Yeah. So it sounds, I mean, I don't know, I'm not doing a brain scan on you when you're having this experience, but that you perceived the temperature, which maybe was like the same temperature of that time in the past when it was the season. And then there you go. You're having like the emotion associated with it, with that experience.
0: Yeah, it's like, is the neurons, you talk about those molecules and the neurons, it fired and wired. At that, at that, and it, that's what that—that's what the image, like right now, like the people. that I try to talk about, you know, painting what your life looks like from your perspective. It's like getting a blank canvas and start drawing it out and mapping it out. I just need to know the outer layers, and I can I can put the color there. I can change it. Mm-hmm. I can I can frame it for everybody to really visit. Like they see it so clearly, but they're doing it from my voice. And I don't do it in video. I do it in audio mm-hmm. because I, I want it really helps me have more of an impactful conversation and I get really zoned in. And that's the, the energy level. You take that and you can fire and wire. You can rewire people and you're rewiring, but you have to be connected to that. I can rewire it. So I was talking to a client once. Um, actually, it wasn't a client. It was uh, one of my good friends, Wes Bays. He was the co-host for the show for a little while. He's got his own shows and all those things he does. So Wes, if you're hearing this, man, I love you. He, I was talking to him about some things. I was like, what I truly do for people is I would get on a phone or get in person, whatever the situation, and I would ask questions. I would make them feel comfortable. And slowly, slowly into the conversation, I'm able to reach in, I'll, I'm able to reach into their mind and take their brain out and I take mine and put it into their brain and in their head. And as I'm talking now, now I'm rewiring as I'm going through this process with them and talking. I know this sounds crazy, but communicating, okay. yeah. communi- communicating, communicating with them and, and showing them with a, with a different way of thinking that everything works and they can accomplish whatever that might be and and removing all that blockage. And as, so, so walk me through, how do you feel with this? Oh, I thought this hurt or this, this happened. I thought this happened. I thought this, that's the problem you're thinking and I'm rewiring everything. And once I get them to the point where they feel that they can manifest anything they want or whatever that might be for people, whatever situation, insert attitude, insert, whatever. I take my brain back out. Now I take their newly rewired brain and put it back in their head and, and then I hit play and I hit start and hit on, they go, Oh, I can do anything. I'm like, I know. All right. See you later. Bye. I'm going to hang up. Move, move on. <laughs> so that's how I, that's how I used to feel what yeah. I did for a living before I learned the actual terms and everything.
2: <laughs> yeah. mm. Wow.
1: That's like, that's amazing.
2: That's
0: really uh, it's really, it sounds crazy. I, I know that I, I used to feel like that was nuts until I learned the scientific terms and studying a little bit more of a, you know how your the chemicals even in your in your brain, what sparks in certain situations, and knowing how to jump ahead of those before the client or before the business, before certain things actually transpire. I can jump way ahead of it before it happens. So I'm predicting what they're going to do, based upon my questioning skills and the information and the data that I was able to get from them and capture that I would know what their, their next behavior was going to go, what was going to happen. Like I've like, even where in certain situations in my life, I had to go back and, and re-experience certain things and looking at a different perspective and a different frame. You can see something. And then I look for the motive. What was the What was the motive that spiraled this, experience and in, in the next frame next chain of reactions because mm-hmm. this is a cause-and-effect world that's the, this only cause and effect mm-hmm. there's a cause that happens and then and then the action you take will actually cause an effect so is it positive or negative and you can yet you know, people tell you that you can take a negative thought and turn it into a positive thought no you could take a negative thought turn it into and put it into a positive place and a positive outlet to get a positive, a positive reaction, and they don't understand because I can't control what I'm thinking. Mm. <laughs> like, what's your next thought? I don't know, and you're going to start thinking about it, and you just be like sitting there dazed. <laughs> you know, sometimes you don't want to know what other people are thinking. I know that, and this is why, and this led me to my question. And I, and it's funny because I, I wrote this actually down how much do you experience and feel their hurt and feeling their pain or feeling their story or feeling the situation? Can you tell them, can sometimes, I know that I can do it sometimes. Can you be so aligned that you, they don't need to tell you what happened. You already know what happened.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: I have a hard time explaining that to people. Can you expand on what that, what that experience feels like for you in that type of way with we working with a client.
1: Sure. Um
0: I know it's a, I know it's a loaded question and I, no, I'm just more like curious.
1: No, I wanna I'm actually like I'm kind of glad you asked about this because I think that there are well I hear of healers doing things that I feel are irresponsible and unethical. Yeah. Okay. And I um did quite a bit of training with Laura Day, who is a well-known intuitive and author. Um, and she um, was tested at a, uh, a university or some, some organization in Italy years ago for her accuracy with medical intuition. And she was 97% accurate, which is like, wow. wow. But when she tells that story, her point in telling the story is there's 3% of the time that I'm not accurate
0: and mm. I don't make the difference. I love that.
1: Right. So I hear, and I've even experienced, you know, people hear what I do for a living and then all of a sudden they just give me like this psychic reading about myself. And not only is that like inappropriate because no one knows if they're, they're, they're saying these things as if they're hundred percent right, you know, all of the time. And then sometimes they do it in front of other people. And the other people hearing this now have a bias based on what this person said because they're so confident with what they're saying.
0: Wow. So, I love this. That's why I love that's why I love hearing people when I ask them questions, they say it depends. That's what they say the first part. It depends because of that. So please go please. Go. Yeah.
1: So I when I'm doing healings, I am not trying to figure out someone's story. I am not trying to fix something. I am trying to be with them in that courageous way that you described that you were with the board member the fellow mm-hmm. board member being with them through whatever it is they're going through and I'm letting the healing energy flow through me and the healing energy is doing its work and I am a compassionate presence hopefully not having any reactions to what I'm sensing and hopefully not having any reactions to my reactions to what I'm sensing right like that right that's 100% what, that's yeah what work is.
0: that's what I'm saying you have to you have to be aligned to be able to get to to do that ethically but love this
1: yeah. So, just last week, for example, um, I was doing a healing with a client. It was my first time meeting her. It was in a group setting at an outpatient facility, and um, this woman, probably in her somewhere in her late twenties, early thirties, um, hovering my hands over her body, and I got to her like pelvic area, and I saw a right a, a red light like a dot and i felt like wow the intensity of the pain right here and i felt like the pain was like right like in her like in her genitals and had to do with her reproductive system but mm. it was like right there at the center of her pelvis and i so i thought okay there's i don't know what that means i'm not going to make a story around this i that's what i felt and then um, clients were sharing what they experienced after. And this particular client said um, that she or she shared that her um, three-month-old daughter passed away recently. And there was this pain. Oh,
0: my gosh.
1: Pain. So sometimes it's it comes through like that. Like, wow, I was like right on target with like kind of like where the, the pain originated. And it even felt like um, – like I was thinking of like ancestral kind of like something to do with like her, uh, like family lineage, you know,
0: that's so crazy.
1: Crazy. Other times, like I know people are pregnant before they know they're pregnant, but I don't know. (laughs) And then they say, Oh, I got pregnant.
0: I'm like, Oh yeah, I knew.
1: Yeah. Um, but, and I oftentimes like there are certain tones that I am very, um, energetic tones that like I've, this has actually been a gift of working in treatment where I will, I have the opportunity to talk to a clinical team to confirm what I might be sensing. So I've recognized that there seem to be energetic tones that I can pick up on that indicate particular types of experiences. Mm. So um, experiences like um, sexual abuse and maybe like at what age or what the dynamics were around that I can pretty accurately notice um other things like i just wrote an article last night about something that i noticed in treatment um that surprised me when i first started working with young men was um the feeling the tone of uh paternal rage running through their bodies wow these young men um what what it's like for them to be in that environment Um, where the the Mm -hmm. father has this rage and the way the mother responds to this and then their role
0: reaction. And obviously what they do. Yeah.
1: This has now impacted their, their lives and their behaviors. Um, It's really interesting.
0: It's really interesting. If you don't mind me, mind me um, interjecting here. Um, I have, I was just talking about man, it's so funny. I was just talking about, my dad's a very loving man and I'm not trying to shine a light and, and, or a negative light on him at all. But even when he gets, when he gets in his mood or he'll start, you know, he'll work, he works a lot. And sometimes it is a gate works like shift work and he's done it for his whole life. Okay. Like he's one, that's where I got my crazy work ethic from is him. But what, sometimes when he gets, gets upset, he'll say things just as a, out, out of fear, which I know. Out of fear of something, and, and he says something, and he gets really loud and, and really, I wouldn't say abusive, but it's really that tone. Even at a, I'm 39, so even I'm about to turn 40. So even even at, at the age that I'm at right now, if I'm at home and I hear that, I completely tense up. Like I tense up. And it's so funny that you're saying that. I, I just, I literally tense up and go into like protection mode.
1: It's Chris, I think it's so deep in the work that I've been doing. I mean, I think it's passed down through families, but it's bigger than that because this um like paternal rage that is so common in mm-hmm. like the bodies that I hover my hands over. Um, this is a like a societal issue. Like we aren't properly caring for people. And this
0: is they gotta know. teach this stuff in school. They have yeah. to.
1: Right. This toxic masculinity is turning into, like, repressed, I my guess, or my sense of things is that it's turning into repressed emotion. And men, I mean, when I left, I was working in finance in my 20s. And when I left to go work in the nightclub business, and I was throwing these amazing parties, and my friends from finance would come to these parties, you know, (laughs) cocktails in, because I would, like, host tables for them. They would come up to me, these young men in their 20s working in private equity at like top firms, total dream job after going to Ivy league schools. And they would say to me, how'd you get out? Like, how'd you, how'd you have the courage to leave this? Like they didn't want that job. They didn't mm-hmm. want to do that, but they were told that as men, that's what they're supposed to do. So from such a young age, we're robbing people, men, speaking of men right now of like the opportunity to learn about who they are as people and, mm-hmm. They'll
0: be, yeah, they'll be better. Fathers, husbands, spouses, whatever. They'll be a lot oh, better. All of it. Right.
1: Low nugget. Chewy. Chewy bear. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, I think it's so deep. So then, the what the child, in your case, even the 39 year old, is feeling, I think you're feeling not just your experience with your father, I think you're feeling on some level the collective experience of this. 100% of humanity, right? Like a, a knowing inside of you, like, this isn't right.
0: This- I think na- I, I knew something that news that not trigger me. I, and you're on to something. And I, I, and I had to investigate this, why I feel that way. Cause I know, I know the, I know what, I know the effect long term of that would be because I had to go back in myself and, and discover that and realign myself. Yeah. I would, I would do the same thing that he would do when he would get upset. I would never hurt anybody or do anything to any, but I, my mouth would get me in trouble because I didn't know what to do with my emotions. I was, I was reactive. I wasn't proactive. And so when I would, when I would feel that I can identify it. And, and I will say this, you know, over the past year, it's been one of the most challenging years of my life, but it has been the best year of my life. If it makes sense, because i feel I'm 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 just at peace. I'm just at peace. But every day I wake up, there's some baggage there I got I got to figure out. There's a new there's a new opportunity for me to learn something else because I'm going through these levels. You know what I mean? And going and it's not that me go, I'm penetrating all the way down to the to nucleus and the essence of me. Right? I'm re now reliving and going through different experiences I haven't thought about since I was a child. I'm um, and I'm like, oh, I remember when that happened. I I can remember s- what people were wearing in certain situations.
2: Yeah.
0: And it's nuts. And I've actually, and, from, and the reason why I'm telling you this and what you said, it really hit home with me because I'm now I have this knowledge. I feel like it's my moral obligation and my, my responsibility to share it to the people I love the most. And I did it in a, in a third-party type of indirect way with my father, and now he's a, now he's conscious and now he's aware of it. Yeah. So the things that he would say, he actually went to my mom one time. It's like Christmas time, like putting stuff up, and he got, got agitated and he said certain things and being a, being a jerk for a couple seconds. Things you do with the people you love the most, right? You're a jerk. So, but he was conscious of it and walked up and he heard me call, and then I guess it was a trigger for him. From a previous previous conversation, he my mom's told me that he walked up. To, well, she he walked up to her after she hung up the phone and said he was sorry and like I know I know it happened. That's the first step. It's just being aware.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow, Chris.
0: Wow. I, I love this conversation because i I really resonate. I resonate more with healers and people that are very that can, extremely spiritual. Mm-hmm of that way of thinking. I just don't, I, I, with, with other things, I just, I don't, I don't resonate at all. I just don't have the mental capacity to be able to entertain a conversation with someone that isn't on that type of frequency. That sounds really awful, but I'm being a hundred percent. I think
1: that there's a sense I can kind of relate to a sense of like, um, having a, more so when I was younger and I guess today I have more like agency over the situations I put myself in, but mm-hmm. an intolerance for energetic incongruencies mm. is what I felt. Right. And so, yeah. So now as an adult, I kind of get to choose who I surround myself with or how much conversation I have to engage with um, someone who is not energetically congruent. Um, and for me, people who are, are spiritual aren't always, but, um, or, you know, they don't even have to be spiritual, just people who are energetically in alignment. There's a oh, lot. Of,
0: wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know how they get there. I mean, for me, that's kind of a spirituality.
0: Right. But I, I love what you said, though. It, you yeah. don't know how they got there, but you don't need to know the story. I don't need to know the story. Right. I don't need to know the story in detail. Yeah. I just need to find I just need to find my angle and my in. And once I'm past that exterior barrier that you put up mm-hmm. and I'm able to break through a couple layers, I'll do the rest just keep talking about the experience. I'm not listening because I know the energy and I know what I know to get down to that core now. So um, there's, I could do it. I do it a lot by questionnaires. Like when a client, they would, they would fill out questionnaires. And from that first meeting, I, I didn't have to tell them who I was. They felt who I was. Mm -hmm. And that's why I set up the next frame of questions or the next calls. I'm like the next call. I'm going to see if you might be the right fit. And I don't work with people that aren't true. And I'm very intuitive when I get when I'm, I don't say that completely. But like I would say, you know, from the things that I'm going to discover about you, I'm going to see if I can serve you and see if I can help you in that capacity. And if it's not a good fit, it's my moral obligation to, you know, point you in the right direction with someone who can help you. Right. Um, and my time is best well served working with people that are, are aligned to that way of thinking. I really want the best for you know, humans are best for whatever that might be. I would, stru- I structured that. I structured that the same way I'm dealing with someone that's dealing with stuff that I would do a hundred million dollar deal. I do the same. I do the same thing. Yeah. I do it the same way. It's the same yeah. frame. It's yeah. my, it's the same. It's the same format, different questions, different situation, but still same energy.
1: Mm-hmm. You. It sounds like you really have um, almost like a gift, or maybe you've developed it of uh, discernment. Like I'm I'm hearing this throughout the conversation, like excellent discernment.
0: Um, I don't know. I haven't really. I you know, like it's it's weird, and especially in a society that we live in, you you know, people can call themselves anything they want to call themselves, right? And I typically don't really share. A, like this type of conversation, you know, like as much. And I know I probably should, but I mean, I just don't. That's the whole thing about the show, and that's why I wanted to develop the, you know, broadcasting media network and you know the podcasts or influencers or whatever. I'm just developing a community, and I'm going to give them the the right tools, skill sets, whatever it might be, and I'm going to help them manifest anything they want in life because I feel like I've already done it all. You know, wh- where uh, for myself. So when this type of conversation, people can't handle that frequency and I know they can't handle it and they think I'm freaking nuts, you know, like they'll be like, I think Chris has lost his freaking mind. Yeah. Like Chris has lost his freaking mind. He's finally, it finally happened. We knew it was going to go down.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and it was funny. I was having a, a conversation with, do you know Laura Power? She's like this celebrity psychic. She's all over like TV everywhere.
1: I don't know her, but I, the name is familiar. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay. I'll have to. Yeah. She was, she's very obviously intuitive. She's like, you know, yeah. psychic, right? So <laughs> but we were having a conversation. I'm like, and I said something very, so like people think I'm crazy. And she's like, who are you telling? You're talking about, this. I forgot I was talking to <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, what I was talking to you for a second cuz I was I was just in the moment and I yeah. was like people start thinking I'm crazy. and People ever she goes like who are you talking about? Like I'm people think I'm crazy all day. Yeah. You
1: know? We have to find a better word for that cuz there's like a mental health like stigma. But we I know what you mean. What's a better word that we can use cuz I use it too. What's
0: yeah, it- that's a, I don't know. Like um I don't know. That might be my hope. homework.
1: Maybe. Yeah. I don't. I haven't figured it out. I, that's one of my goals is to find a different word. Cause I say that all the time because I feel that as well. I know what you're talking yeah.
0: about. Justin Breen calls it wackadoo. Um, but I don't want to use anything derogatory. I want to use yeah. something to where it's like it, you know, and yeah, it's a gift, but I believe everything's a gift in life. Mm-hmm. So when I hear some influencers or some people and thought leaders and some people that are big names, and I'm not going to name drop them right now because I've actually pulled them to the side. I was like, I see your point behind this, but that's going to sell to the masses. But it kind of contradicts the intention of you if you're preying upon, preying on the masses. But if you believe what you believe and you're doing it for the right reasons, there's only a, a certain percentage they are going to see right through that smoke and mirror. And he goes, well, I'm not selling to them. And I was like, and it really hit me hard. Wow. I was like, this is what it's like.
1: There are many ways to live this
2: life
0: and you're choosing this. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: And, 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 you know, we all, and I don't judge them. I don't, I don't judge him and I don't feel a certain way. I, I don't because I, it, it, I can't judge them because I don't know the situation behind that statement. Something might have changed. You know, I mean, it it could be a lot of, like. I just need to know the moving parts pretty much. I don't need to know the story. I just need to see the moving parts. Once I can feel those moving parts and knowing what's happening, it's, you can kind of, I can start, I wouldn't say manipulate because that's a whole other thing I want to talk about. Um, and another way I go go here. I'm conscious of the time. So that way we can have our own conversations for example listeners, because I have so many ideas are going in my head right now of opportunities. But the word manipulate, I I know what I feel, and I uh, the word manipulate isn't a bad word and a derogatory word. It's just used by the intention that you're actually doing something. I think I manipulate myself every day, but I do it in the purest intentions. I'm using my powers for good, not bad. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but when you, once you make that, once you, it's like a very thin line. Once you take your toenail and put it over that line and doing something and using your powers unethically to get something that you want, Mm -hmm. what typically happens, you can't go back because you're, unless you do a lot of realignment and tapping into your subconscious, Mm -hmm. because your subconscious knows you just got away with it. And you're going to go back to that. Yeah. So, I'm going to, we'll finish with that question. I think that's something that I'm just curious of because it's different when like neuroscience of the stuff that I know, but healing and that type of way of you kind of feeling that and you seeing a certain, seeing a certain color,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: what does that kind of, what does that look like from, from your way of thinking?
1: You blow my mind. You're blowing my mind right now. I didn't see your question going in this direction and the, the direction you took it in is if I'm honest with myself at the heart of what makes me different as a healer or what I do uniquely as a healer. Yeah. And it took me a lot of like serious, like some humility, like recognizing um, why do people keep coming back to me for healings? You know, like I must be doing something different. Like let's figure out what it is that's unique here, what's happening in my So. When I was in the third grade, (laughs) um, I have a very clear memory of having a sense that in my mind, I thought something about the field, like the playing field is uneven and it's skewed to my advantage. Mm. And I don't feel like that's fair. I don't feel like that's ethical. And so I want to not have this intuition anymore, which I had. And I like things like I would go to movies and know what was going to happen at the end of the movie. But I <laughs> okay.
0: Like I like it.
1: the intuition must be helping me to do better in school than, than the other kids um, or like manipulate situations so that people would like me more or something. I wasn't intentionally trying to manipulate, but I felt like my intuition was giving me an advantage. And I was afraid that somehow I was manipulating the world.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, since, since, you know, an early age i've been sensitive to manipulation and not wanting to manipulate in any way so then i meet uh tibetan buddhism and the approach is not to change solve fix transcend nothing like we, we that's not what we're doing in our practice our practice is being with whatever is arising and so i was already like following that path when I became a professional energy healer. Mm -hmm. Whereas many energy healers are working with like cutting cords or changing something in someone's experience. Instead, I'm not trying to manipulate. I don't know what their karma is. I don't want to heal them from this thing because maybe it's going to, they have to deal with this and it's going to come back in another lifetime.
0: Oh my gosh, this is so powerful. Go ahead, please. Right?
1: So I don't want to interrupt their karma in any way. I just want to provide peace along the journey and like comfort of knowing that they're not alone. And sometimes that shows up as a, um, you know, a, a disease being cured sometimes in a way that's like inexplicable. Sometimes it ends up in becoming a major shift in, in mindset. Um, but that's not my intention when I'm doing it.
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah, so that's my thought on manipulation
0: and healing. I I, I love it because the the intention's neutral. Yeah, I,
1: it is. It's kind of neutral. If, yeah, I, I
0: think. Well, what I'm true. saying is, is for you yeah. to be able to feel and to be able to be intuitive and to understand where the where the the, the trauma or the pain is at, yeah. you would have to kind of be neutral. You can't yeah. be one sided. I think, just from maybe my perspective, in my no. opinion. But yeah. it, but then once you're able to do that and and feel it for in your way of thinking because because you're energy healer then you know what to go now you know what you need to do and now yeah. now it goes back today now it goes to the ethical side you know what I mean but you being neutral and just in that even playing field and that's just it's so funny that you mentioned I would love to see you at th- it in the third grade like yeah. it's just not fair I know what's happening I'm gonna help you out
1: <laughs> I know I was.
0: I was a different kind of kid for sure. Yeah. yeah. I was, um, my mom, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I haven't told anybody, but mom, you know, like my parents say, like, oh, my son's special, right? <laughs> like for you get the wrong feeling, <laughs> my mom would say that about like, would say that because I was so empathetic. Like yep. I was yeah. rare for, rare for a, a boy or, um, you know, obviously man now, but a boy to be that intuitive. Yeah. I bet. And it comes, it came from my sister. Because I would, it was the connection. And I think that's something, and I say this a lot, that I I, that's my competitive advantage I draw from every day is I get to do what I do for a living because she couldn't, you know, and I don't want to look her in the face. And when our energies meet again on the other side, I don't want her to be disappointed with the life that I manifested and created after she gave me a gift, you know, and that's important for me. I say that a lot because that's my way of catching myself and putting myself in there. You know, I I have certain affirmations that I write down and I put on like little things like I have, I'm not going to say my daughter's name was obviously a live thing, but it says, um, you know, she is depending on you. Don't give up. Right. And what that represents for me isn't don't give up on whatever I'm doing. Like I got a constant reminder that what am I doing it for? I'm not doing it for her. I'm doing it to be so she's able to create the life of her dreams on, from what I have created. Do you know what I mean? -hmm. Like I've read so many books on like being a dad or, you know, like parenting and, but it all comes back to just the energy. And I think a lot of it is just, they're selling other crap, you know? And and I just, I see through the intention by Behind some of these authors is just ridiculous, and that's why I think I'm ner- I'm going nuts because I don't. I, if unless I'm able to feel the energy and I know it's pure to its truest intentions, then I don't, I don't, I don't chop it up with you. I don't really enter. like I'll w- want the best for you because I live in an abundant lifestyle, but I don't. I, you just can't get around me because I protect my boundaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, we could. I could. I know you. Oh wanna, yeah, right. But, so okay, yeah. Say- Say on that, yeah. There's um for you know for the listeners, I appreciate you tuning in all the way to the end of this. And Jonathan thank you so much for coming on and, and blessing us with this amazing conversation. I this is probably one of my top. This is one got to be in my top five. You know what I mean? Of and I don't want to be. I don't want to like get stroke your ego and say it probably it's my number one. <laughs> it a certain way, but it's definitely one of my favorite ones. And that's another thing that I talk about with people was like I but I haven't known I haven't talked about with people but I feel it that I, I changed my way of thinking on what I do with my life and what brings me joy. I used to like, like sports or something of that nature. What I really enjoy the most of right now is just having so deep and impactful conversations that it passes, that it, that it fast forwards time because everything else around me, it just feels like it's slow that I'm so that much into a conversation so that I'm extremely grateful for this experience. Thank you.
1: Oh, same, same. Thank you. I feel so fortunate to be here with you and um, to be getting to know you better and better each time we talk.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I look forward to the future. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure that she, uh, you check her out. We'll put it all in the show notes. But I guess the it's what podcasters say towards the end. I guess you would say. <laughs> well, where can they I guess where what's the best way that you would like our our listeners to reach out if they choose to do so?
1: Sure, they can go to my website, johnajenova.com. Or um I would say the platform I'm most active on these days is probably Instagram. Um, and just search for my name, Jana Genova You'll find me.